I think designer or not, in general, there were a lot of challenges growing up as a third culture kid. I think really why I struggle the most is I don't really have a strong sense of belonging because I'm both in America and in Taiwan. I could be both Americans and Taiwanese.、Um, I'm neither. What's up, everybody? I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer. So in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Yaya Yatingwang. Yaya started her design career studying industrial and interactive design at Syracuse University. Then, after completing a three-month design bootcamp, she began her product design journey at Condé Nast. A global media company and home to iconic brands such as The Vogue, The New Yorker, and more. And now she's working at Adobe as a senior product designer on the Adobe Acrobat web team. During our conversation, what truly resonated with me was our conversation about having a third culture identity. Yaya shared her own way to resolve this and shared valuable tips for anybody who's struggling to cope with a third culture identity. This is a conversation I truly enjoyed, and there were lots of laughs along the way. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Yaya Yatingwei. Yaya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So you started out as a industrial and interaction design major back in Syracuse University, and I know this is probably a while back, but tell us more about that major, and also did you learn? Um, applied to the field of UX design. Absolutely,、um, design to me is problem solving, and my practice in industrial design actually helped me build that foundation of design thinking. Which to me, you know, design thinking is really just doing a lot of pro-、uh, research, exploration, and trial and error with our users. And back then, I learned how to create a physical product from scratch, and you know, there was actually a lot of planning involved because to produce a prototype. A physical prototype actually costs a lot of money, especially for a college kid.、Um, so that's who, that's when you know that kind of planning process is very important, and that's actually a very a, a good practice in design in general.、Um, now that I'm creating everything digitally in a screen,、um, you know I I'm still able to apply that kind of design thinking. The benefit though doing digitally is that I get to explore wherever I want without costing any money. <laughs> Yeah, college students definitely do not want to spend a lot of money.、Oh、God, I I think I probably my thesis project cost me one fifty dollars back then. Wow! And I was so poor, I was like, I cannot afford this. <laughs> <laughs> so I pretty much like I almost bail my thesis project just because I couldn't afford it. <laughs> oh my God! Wow! Wait, that's that's insane! Wow. <laughs> It's so sad. <laughs> But I, you I still, remember, you, you finished, yeah. I mean, yes. I eventually, I ha- I did produce something, but I remember I actually didn't have cash. I mean, I don't know、right. why one fifty is actually. I don't know why I didn't have one fifty cash in my bank account, so I actually had to do like a credit card withdrawal in advance. So I actually got charged like ten dollars on top of that, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so much money." <laughs> <laughs> For a college thesis, God, yeah. I guess in that case, if it was a digital product, then that would have cost. Oh, nothing. I mean, I just have to pay the the app,、um, mm. and then I can create like a hundred screens without thinking about any cost. 
Right, right. I guess when when you started learning digital, was there like a transition process of oh this is this feels different? How did that feel um, when you were transitioning to physical to digital? So I think my the reality of the market hit me after I graduated is that it was actually hard to find an industrial industrial design job. Um, mm. I mean I. I graduated in 2012, and that was actually when UX is a pretty new field.、Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of opportunities out there. People are looking for digital designers, and so I decided to transition into digital mostly because of market needs. And I, you know, purely I just need a job at that time. <laughs> right. Right.、Um, and so yeah, I, I I did go through a general assembly to help me that transition. Um, technically speaking, I because I already had that kind of design thinking background. All I needed was a portfolio to prove that I can do digital product.、Um, so, if I was more diligent, I probably could find other ways to get in without having to go through a bootcamp. But I decided to invest in myself a little bit to go through the school and actually have a more dedicated time to build a digital product portfolio.、Um, so I would say my experience probably is a bit different than other other people who came from a completely different field. So in my class, there were actually people coming from finance,、um, you know, like a complete different like non-design background.、Mm-hmm. Um, To me, it was a bit easier to adapt to that kind of learning because it's again, it's design thinking. I'm just producing a,、right. uh, the product in different medium. So yeah, that that was my experience transition. This is a good segue to also your design bootcamp experience that you had. And going in from an industrial design background, there were definitely some things. Different perspectives that you had, and I was wondering how did the bootcamp help you transition to become more of a digital product designer? Like, what were some of the things that you did during that bootcamp? I think there was more focus on user research.、Um, that was actually touched on in college when we were studying industrial design. But I think. I guess because digital products generally you have a wider user base because you know it's very web is very accessible. You can have like millions of users instead、mm. of just having, you know, if I produce a furniture in New York, I、yeah. my market is probably only that few people in New York who's interested who's actually interested in my product. Right. And so I think there was a lot of focus on on quantitative and qualitative research.、Um, And talking to users, testing it, again, that was something we did, but not at a, a massive scale. A scale for、um, in industrial design. So I would say that was a big learning to me. And again, just focusing on thinking about how can I translate a problem、um, into a solution that is on the screen is.、Mm-hmm. Really, the major difference, but I again, I would say producing digital design、mm-hmm. is still relatively easier than producing a physical product. Yeah, will you recommend people to go to design bootcamp? 
back then maybe, but I think nowadays there's so much free online resource. I think that if you are a diligent person and has, you know, if if you if you actually can have good control of yourself, I think you can <laughs> learn a lot of things online. Mm. Um, I'm not a person who knows how to, you know, I I, I tend to procrastinate Same. a lot. That was really the reason. That was really why I think Bookham is really well. I think I, you know, it's it's worth for me because Mm -hmm. we were putting into like a schedule nine to five and Monday to Friday where I have to be focused on producing the digital portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also came from design background, so I feel like my learning curve is a little bit uh lower than other people. So I I would say it depends if you if you already have some sort of design background and you know where to get the resource to learn things online for free. I think you have the option now compared to right. before. Um, but right. if you have no idea what design is, I I think Bookend would be a good place to invest in yourself. Right. I think having the time constraint and also just people learning because it's there's other people learning with you at the same time or was it Yeah. Uh I think in my class there were twenty oh, maybe yeah, there were twenty people and then there were two classes happening at the same time. So we kind of collaborate once in a while. So um yeah, so I I think I met 40, 50 other people in the program. And yeah, I would say if you if you think networking is something that's worth it to, that bookend is also a good place to expand your network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. So I think kind of sum up that, I think design bookend is good for people who want structure mm-hmm. um, yes. to like have a set schedule. So that sounds perfect for me who also procrastinate. <laughs> as well yeah I for sure would, i think it also depends too yeah, yeah i will also suggest um or i guess like going into any school or institution i think a lot of people have this high expectation that you will get a job right away and you you are hoping that the school will have a structure to help you get career mm-hmm. that is not really the case in most places and you know, if if getting a new job is your goal, that there's still a lot of work you need to do. Right. It's not like you go to a design boot camp and then come out, you'll have a job. That yeah. That's, exactly. yeah. That's not, well, at, at least back then, um, this was like seven, eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Going yeah, back right. in time. <laughs> yeah. I mean back then I think well, I know. I don't know. I think UX is still generally very competitive now. Um, mm. So it really just depends on how, yeah, how you prepare yourself. And I honestly, I feel like getting a job nowadays is really how you present yourself in the interview. Um, you know, portfolio only gets you gets your foot into the door. Most of I feel like most of the um, the work you have, still have to do is to present yourself well in the interview. Yeah, I remember somebody saying one time to me that design is not about not just about um, what you design, but how you present yes. your your work. It's like some people even say it's like a fifty fifty thing because if other people can't understand what your designs are, then right. I guess there's not really a point. 
So yeah, that adds on to the interview aspect. I think shifting gears a little bit, um, I wanted to kind of hear about designing at Adobe. Um, so what do you do as a senior product designer? And I know that recently you changed teams. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so a little bit of my background at Adobe, I started um, working on enterprise data platform. Uh, I was working on that project for, or a product for three years, and I recently switched to Acrobat Web. Yeah, and for for people who are not familiar with that, do you mind kind of giving a short overview of what that is? Acrobat Web is, if you use PDF or if you're trying to view PDF, Acrobat, the app, allows you to edit it. Um, I mean, you can also view PDF on Acrobat too, but the power really is to help you edit it, um, transform and export to however you want. And it used to be a desktop app product. Um, now we are trans- transitioning into web. So if you now if you go to acrobat.adobe.com, you can do all those um, editing in web without downloading the desktop app. And what does your day-to-day look like um, on the team? So right now is a little bit different than what I usually do because right now I'm trying to launch a very uh, huge integration into Acrobat Web. So I'm kind of at the fa- at the end of the design phase where I'm doing div- uh, dev support. Basically, it's like, you know, we the design phase is already done. We're making sure that uh, whatever is implemented is uh, up to design standard. So my day-to-day now is basically uh, a lot of communication. <laughs> I basically talk to uh, engineer my engineers every day and checking in with my PM, Uh, Also checking in with the design director to make sure we're all aligned. Um, I answer whatever questions my engineer have on the design. I, you know, it's at at this end, at the end of the design phase is a little bit more just making sure things are um, moving forward uh, within the timeline. Right. So that's currently my day-to-day, mostly just communication. Mm -hmm. And I think... For reference, this also depends, but how many meetings we have, let's say, per day? Um, I Well, so I actually have a lot of teammates um, across time zones. And so like my PM is in India, my engineers are in West Coast. I'm usually based in East Coast. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now in Colorado, but <laughs> yeah. that's not really a problem. Um, yeah. My manager is also in, yeah, my manager and design director are also in Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So we try not to have too many meetings because, um, you know, we're trying to be cognizant of everyone's time. Right. So most of my, I mean, in terms of meetings, I would say weekly, uh, like the series, the, the recurring meetings, um, in a day, I probably will have one or two per day, Like that's recurring. And then there will be a lot of ad hoc, um, you know, just, just depending on what kind of problem we're trying to solve. So sometimes I'll have like four or five meetings. Sometimes I'll only have like one or two meetings. 
Um, but I think the whole team is trying to make sure that we are able to work asyncly. Um, so most of that is just trying to discuss things on Slack. Yeah, well, four or five meetings per day. How do you feel about, or how do you manage that having so many meetings? So yeah, a lot of that really. I think what's most exhausting is the context switching, <laughs> because one thing you know, one meeting I'll be talking about, oh, you know, this we we need to go through the legal review, and then the other one is like, oh, I need to answer my engineer's question on you know how to design this coach mark, and then <laughs> the another meeting will just be like a des- internal design team review where I'm giving feedback to my teammates' design, and in that case, I need to. Also, learn about her project in order to give her feedback. So it's it's exhausting, but at the same time, I feel like it helps me to learn a lot of you know having different perspective on many things. And it's I mean I I suspect I'm the only person having many meetings. I I I think I I probably have less meetings than many people. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. At Adobe, we're also, or at least my team, we're also um, trying to make sure that we have our own. Um, I guess we we take good work life balance. So, mm. you know, it's okay to put to decline some meetings if you don't think you would be able to provide any meaningful feedback there. So I I am. Pretty diligent on declining meetings, <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think there are a lot of things I we can discuss in um on Slack, and if that doesn't really get resolved, then I think meeting will be the last result. Um, but I think after you know being two three years in pandemic, I feel like most people are getting very used to um making decisions on Slack. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. has been my main method of. Communicate communication, right? Because I today I already have today. I think it's the first time I have five calls,、oh, and、god. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> like it. It is meant like the conversation itself is fun, but just knowing that, oh my god, I have four more left. Yeah, more, yeah just that feeling is, yeah, it is a lot. I think,、um, yeah, I think I'm also trying to learn how to prioritize things. Um,、mm. actually, outside of just Adobe work,、uh, which is also which is already very busy.、Uh, after I switched to the, this new team, I also have two freelance job I'm working on the side. Wow! And so, actually, you know, like after my, um, you know, after the normal working schedule, I actually also have like three weekly meetings at night. Oh my god! And wow. So sometimes I'm like, oh my god, is it really worth doing it? But every time I come back to evaluate it, I'm just like, it's all learning experience, and I, I appreciate that people are giving me this opportunity to learn. So even though it's exhausting, and I hope this, I mean, I think some of the pre- freelance project is only gonna last like a like maybe two more months. So to me, it's just like, okay, yes, I'm gonna, I will. Maybe struggling a little bit, but at the same time, I feel like I'm gaining a lot from this experience. So I decided to stick with it. Wow, I did not know that. That's that's insane. How? <laughs> yeah, that's insane I, I how、know. you're 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because、wow. um, before I switched to this new team, I actually had a lot of low time、uh, at, at Adobe where I I was not as busy. But after I switched the to the new team when I'm super busy, that's when the two new the the two freelance job opportunity also came. Wow, you know how like the universe just want to like throw everything at you at once. <laughs> so throw everything at you and see how you react to it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So I went from like having pretty much nothing to work on to like having like to work on three projects or three full time job at a time. Oh my goodness! Wow. Oh yeah, prop props to you. That's that's actually incredible. Yeah, like the time management is, yeah. How how do you manage your time then, in that case? Honestly, I don't have. <laughs> I have a very bad non structured answer to that. I honestly, I just I just stick with it. <laughs> I just、mm-hmm. like, you know, I already committed to this. I. I had my chance to say no to it, but I said yes because I believe there is value in this. Right. And at the end, I, you know, I, I just have to find time to help finish my clients' projects. And you know, I mean, it's, I say my clients' project. I personally enjoy working on it too. So、mm. to me, it's like okay, I just have to find time to do it. Usually, that means like two hours before the meeting. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, I feel like I pro- procrastinate so much in my life. I have actually like earned mastered. A- yeah, I mastered like, how、yeah. to procrastinate. And honestly, to me, forcing myself to do work two hours before the meeting is also、mm-hmm. a way to help me control my life. You know, because if I started the work like I don't know three days before my meeting, then、right. I'll probably be working on it. All like all the hours before that that meeting, but if I only force myself to work on it two hours before, then I only have two hours to work on it. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> like a time constraint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I hope none of the freelance、um, yeah, who、I、you're working for will listen. listen to that. <laughs> I'm not. I won't send them this link. So. <laughs> Oh my god! I mean, they're yeah, still、thanks. happy with what I came out with, so you know, I yeah, they, yeah, they no, that's、complain. good. Yeah, <laughs> no complaints. Yeah, you know, I still get to enjoy my life. I I need I make sure that I have this, um, you know, I if I I make sure I have enough rest so that I have the energy to work on those projects. So, you know, they should appreciate how I procrastinate because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I balance myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you're putting out good work. With that, that's that structure in place. <laughs> yes. Yeah, love that. I want to shift gears. The first time that I reached out to you was on ADP list, and when I reached out to you, one thing that stood out to me was something, an emoji that was next to your name, which was a Taiwanese flag. I don't know if it's still up there, but I, I saw、so. that and I was like, "Wait, I'm also from Taiwan." This is, this is sick. And then so, so anyway, long story short, we ended up,、um, you know, obviously we booked the time and then we chatted. And I think one thing that I really wanted to delve into was this non-American background or a third culture kid background, which is basically third culture is like a smash of two different cultures, so American and also Taiwanese in our case. And I was wondering. 
how has having a third culture background impacted you as a designer in any way? Yeah, I think designer or not, in general, there were a lot of challenges growing up as a third culture kid. I think really why I struggle the most is I don't really have a strong sense of belonging because I'm both in America and in Taiwan. I could be both Americans and Taiwanese, um, right. but I'm neither. <laughs> well, I mean, neither in the sense of belonging. Right. Um the way I resolve this really, and I hope this shines some light to those who have the same struggle, is I have adopted this French philosopher, and his name is René Descartes. Um, he believed that mind and body are two separate entities. So I believe that my mind belongs to wherever my body takes me. I basically belong right here, right now, at this moment. And so, you know, that took the old struggle to me about where, what culture, what place, what geolocation I am. No matter who I am, I belong to where I am right now. I know it sounds kind of like meta and Zen. <laughs> I, I mean, of course, I think there's like the Buddhism influence, you know, growing up in Taiwan. There's a right. strong Buddhism influence in our culture. And I sometimes believe that I'm meant to be at a certain place at a certain time. And mm-hmm. if I can't control it, then there's no need to fight it. So that's generally how I resolve my sense of belonging and, you know, being, being a, I, I love traveling. So I love being able to call home wherever I am. <laughs> mm, right. And I, I know that you're now in Colorado now. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So coming back to how this affects me as a designer, um, I think the benefit of my background is that I, actually got to experience different ways of living to adopt and absorb the best of both worlds. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of struggle that I'm not, I mean, yes, there, there were a lot of struggles that I'm not mentioning, but I tend to think about what are the lessons I got to learn from this. Um, in, I generally, I'm a very curious person. I'm always open to learn new things. And I think because I had very different experience. I also always question the status quo, you know, just like, oh, the, there's this way we do in Taiwan, but it's not a norm in the U.S., but, you know, which is right and which is wrong. I I think most of the time we'll find that neither is right or wrong. It's just however you adopt to it. And so to me, you know, being curious, being always open to learn and always questioning the status quo are very important qualities to be uh, not just for a designer, but actually as a creative problem solver. Um, I think the more experience you have or the more diverse opinion or perspective you have, that helps you to become a more well-rounded person too when, when it comes to problem solving. Right. And I know technically you don't really have to be a third culture person to have these qualities. You can still be curious and open to learn, even if you're just like, you know, grew up in one country for your whole life. But I think I I like to call out this one of the traits of an inclusive leader published by Deloitte is that is having that cultural intelligence. And I think it's important for people like us with diverse background to focus on this advantage that we already have to be an empathetic leader. And I actually think because I have this diverse cultural background that makes me want to be that leader 
to show other people from different backgrounds that you know we we are better equipped to be a more prepared leader in this. Yeah, wow. I I think the first time that I've come to really experience what it's like to be a third culture kid was the first year I came to the states mm-hmm. yeah. for college, and one of the things that I really felt was people would start asking me about like where I'm from, and then like, um, but it was when they were starting to ask about like some of the cultural questions and also like what's different about living in Taiwan. I feel like at the time I was not really ready, like equipped to answer all of these questions. Well, like, it's kind of like I'm representing my, um, representing my country that the culture, like what I say will basically dictate how other people will think about it. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of, I guess like, pressure to to try to make sure that what i say actually aligns with like what is true right. about the, the culture yeah yeah i i had the similar problem or not not problem a similar experience and i feel like eventually i just became the ambassador of taiwan <laughs> like i assigned myself to be the ambassador of taiwan and actually everywhere i go i make sure people are aware that i i am from taiwan even though i live in new york right now or colorado at this moment <laughs> right. um i i don't know i i enjoy i i am proud of myself coming from taiwan i want to make sure that people know that about me and even when I travel to many countries, um, there are people still get confused about Taiwan and Thailand. And uh, yeah, I've, there are also yeah. people who are confused about relationship between China and Taiwan. I always have to be that person to explain it. But to me, it's you know, I, I, I guess at first I kind of find it annoying, but in the end, I start to embrace it more um, because it is. You know, when I meet people from the different countries, I I feel like I do the same to them, or you know, I because I want to learn about you know how the culture is from firsthand, and so I understand that they're coming from a good place, right. and I want to make sure that they they are getting the I can't say the right information, but they are getting the information from my perspective, mm-hmm. being a Taiwanese. Right, right. So if I can be that one way to help them learn about my culture, then I'm super happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a way of, um, I don't want to say educate because it kind of puts us in a higher position, but just telling them about what the culture is. And yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that I've definitely, one of the most often questioned was about, like I somehow had to become a boba expert when i came to the states <laughs> like because like everybody's like oh yeah boba's from taiwan right so yeah. you must have had a lot of boba like you must have like you can clearly taste the the difference in boba i'm just i'm just like no <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that, yeah definitely got that a lot <laughs> when, yeah but i think that kind of learned experience also make help make me more be more empathetic when i you know when i see a different when when i see another person from a different country i i am aware that i don't want to ask them i don't want to make them feel as annoying 
Um, right. And so I'm always very, well, I wouldn't say cautious, but I, I am cognizant about what I'm asking to them. For sure. Yeah, I think going through that definitely changes the, the perspective. We're coming a little bit short on time, but I do have a final question, um, which is kind of a tangent to um, advices to young designer. But I, I'm curious. So let's say you're facing yourself, but 20 years old. So back when you were a college sophomore, mm-hmm. what kind of career or life advice would you tell her? 20 is that's like <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i don't know how the, yeah it, it is a while well, what i told what i would tell myself back then would be different than what i tell young designers <laughs> um, because yeah. honestly when i was in sophomore year i was not thinking about career at all <laughs> mm. which i you know i was definitely a little bit less prepared um and i i, I always appreciate how i landed here knowing that how how lazy I am. <laughs> um, but I would say that, you know, back then, back then I was actually pretty shy and I didn't really want to, like, I, I didn't want to get out of my comfort zone. And so I feel like because of that, I lost a lot of opportunities to learn new things and experience different things um i guess part of that might also because you know being a third culture kid i already experienced so much and i was just like kind of burned out at the point i'm just i don't need more experience i I just want to like be in my room and be by myself and you know be alone but the advice i give i will want to give myself would be similar to young designer is that just go out and explore things it's Honestly, I feel like life is short, and if you don't, if you don't uh, take every chance to learn things or experience new things, you 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 know you cannot get the time back. I I think I'm a I, I think I'm at a good place where I have few regrets, but one of the regrets I have is that I didn't get to enjoy as much as I should when I was in sophomore year or just in college in general. Right. Um, I feel like I lost a lot of opportunities to meet people because I, you know, I was just not open to um, social at that time. Right. But I, I, I actually went uh, study abroad in London um, my fourth year, and it's kind of funny because I, I already had the third culture, or I guess mm-hmm. I, I already experienced two cultures. Right. For some reason, I had to experience another culture to help me open up. <laughs> oh. So after after being in London for a semester, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm just wasting my life of not going out and not exploring new things. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, I, I pretty much changed to another person after my London year. I became wow. super open to learn new things i want to make friends with everyone i'm like mm. super talkative talkative i go to so many parties that i i just love making friends um so yeah just i don't know yeah. i i hope this helps <laughs> whoever is maybe struggling at the beginning of you know coming to the u.s or coming to a new culture um 
But yeah, while you're already at it, you might as well just enjoy it. Well, I can, I can really feel that. Yeah, I, because I feel like personally, I'm basically in similar shoes as you were.、Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like I'm hanging out with the same group of people, right? Going to the classes every day. Um, just this like monotonous same. Like obviously, I love I love hanging out with my friends and all the other people, but there's a part of me where I'm like, maybe I should try that. Maybe、right. I should go to that event to meet more people, and、right. I don't think I've ever taken that step forward to okay, I'm gonna do that.、Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's super like helpful to hear that. I mean, I would say there are there are also certain social events you don't have to be there, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I think、yeah. you can pick and choose based on your interests, but I generally try to go at least once to figure out. If that's right for me,、right. um, I think a lot of times I have I had a lot of bias on you know things I don't want to do and I just never try at all. But there are also a lot of times where I finally push myself to do it. And I'm like, wow, I actually like it and I want to continue to do it. So I would say give everything a first try, and you know you can decide on whether you want to continue from there or not. Right. It's like at least you tried. Right, and you know if you actually like it or not. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a wonderful chat. Thank you so much. Yeah. For.、You. Yeah, we went a little bit over time, but yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. Hey there! Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye. My name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show, and I'll see you in the next episode.